0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShall from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So last week we uh, spoke about, uh, speak to me, I can't hear, and we chronicled, started in Genesis and we looked at the first time man ever listened to another voice outside of the voice of instruction that God had given, which is Adam and Eve, uh, when they listened to the serpent. And we discovered that in hearing what the serpent was saying, Eve then began to paint a picture and saw the tree of good and evil from a different perspective. The tree had always been there in the garden, but now that she had heard what the serpent said, believed it, she saw the tree differently. And partook of its fruit. Our lives have never been the same since then. So, we learned last week that it was important to note what we hear. But what if you do hear the word of God? What if you are listening for the word of God? But there's so many other voices that are talking or speaking. What then? So this is part two of what began last week, and if you didn't get the message last week, you can get it in the bookshop. But to the title of today's message is, I've heard, now what? So let's start this story, let's just give some context. Jesus tells this parable to his disciples, uh, and you all know it, it's a parable of the sower, and he, he, he says, uh, the kingdom of God is like this, it's like... A farmer who scatters seed and he talks about seed that falls on hard ground that the birds come and take and eat seeds that fall on shallow ground that don't take, doesn't take root and soon the sun scorches it and it withers away then he talks about seed that falls amongst the thorns and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke it out and then he talks about seed that falls onto good soil. And he describes this seed this way in Matthew, Luke 8, verses 15 to 18. He says, but they seed that fell on good soil. These are the ones who heard the word with an honest and good heart and hold it fast or keep the word. I've got some ringing in the microphone here. If you could just, in the speakers, if you could just fix that for me. Thank you. And then he says, That word bears fruit with perseverance. So Jesus goes on to explain this parable. And he says, this, this, the word that we hold fast to, the word that falls onto our hearts and we hold on to it. And he it says, it, it bears fruit, but it bears fruit with perseverance. What type of word is he talking about here? He says, His word. So when we hear his word, when we believe his word, when we hold on to it, when we make it our anchor, when we keep it, we possess it, that word hold on or hold, the Greek literally means one who keeps, holds tightly, possesses it, detains it from going away. That means the moment the word is planted, or the word is spoken and we've heard it, therein lies opportunity for the word to be stolen. Therein lies opportunity for the word to be taken. Therein lies opportunity for the word to be tested. And it's our responsibility to hold on to it, to keep it. And he says when we do this, the word will bear fruit with perseverance. 30, 60, 60. And a hundredfold. It is a fight to keep the word, to hold on to it, to detain it. Because it is everything. In everything that we learned last week in Hebrew, Hebrews 11 verse 3, the Bible says this, the world as we know it was framed by the word of God. So we understand that the world that we're in and the things that God promises are framed by his word. are framed by his word. When we choose to lay aside his word, we choose another frame for our world. You see, once the word is released, I like what Brother Milton just shared. He said, God's, what God's spoken, he does. To speak for God is to do. So when we say the word frames our world, it means the word creates. It means the the coming of the word of God is the evidence of new beginnings, is evidence of a new order, is evidence that something new is coming. Once the word is released, it means that light is coming. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was with God. All things that were made were made through him. Nothing that was made was made outside of him. He says he is the life, and the life is the light of man. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. That means when the word is released, it is a warning sign to darkness that something that you can't comprehend is coming. It is a notice. You all know notices? eviction notice, death notice. Well, this one is a kingdom of God notice. That his kingdom is coming. It is a notice to darkness. That light is coming. It is a notice to disorder. That order is coming. It is a notice, a notice to chaos. That there's a new kingdom. That's, it is a notice to the kingdom of darkness. That the kingdom of God is here. So when Jesus came, when the word came on the earth, he said, repent for the kingdom of God. The word has been made manifest. So I want you to take this down quickly. The release of his word is equal to his promise, is equal to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Bearing fruit in the kingdom comes with perseverance. The kingdom of darkness goal is to keep you and I from what God has promised. That's why I'm excited about what Pastor Thomas shared in this year's work. That we will see the wall of opposition and receive our breakthrough. That wall of opposition is evidence that God's word has been released. That there's a new order coming, that his promise is here, that the kingdom of God has come, that his word has been spoken, are there any ears to hear it? Are there any hearts to understand it? Is there anyone of faith to believe it? Hebrews 3 verse 7 says, this is talking, this the writer is illustrating, what happened to the children of Israel? From verse seven, it says this, if you've got your Bibles, Hebrews three, verse seven, if you can open them up. The Bible says this. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. In the day of trial, in the, as in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years, Therefore, I was angry with that generation. And he said, they always go astray in their heart. And they do not, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you. Lest there be any in you that have an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. While it's still cold today, lest any of you harden are hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Then he goes on to say, for if we have heard, who has heard and rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now, whom he is angry with for 40 years, was it not those who sinned, whose corpses corpses fell in the wilderness, and to whom he would swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see that they did not enter his rest because of unbelief. The children of Israel had a sure word and a sure promise to go into the promised land. They heard the word that God had spoken through Moses. Yet the Bible says they heard God and rebelled. Today, if you hear my voice, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Because they rebelled, the Bible says they could not enter his rest, his promise, They could not enter where God dwelt. The scripture asks us, it says, who is it that heard the voice of God and yet rebelled? That same question is asked today. It says it was they that heard the word and did not believe it. They that heard the word and their hearts were hardened. They that heard the word and their hardness of heart because of the deceitfulness of sin led to rebellion, which led to disobedience. Hebrews 4, verses 1 to 7 says this Therefore, since that promise still remains of entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel is preached to us as well as it was to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we have believed, for we who have believed do enter his rest. For he said, I swore in my wrath that they will not enter my rest. There's a promise that still exists for us today as well. And that promise warns us that we must not become like those who fail to enter his rest. That promise, the Bible says, in that place where his promise is, in that promised land, is where God's rest is. And yet he says and warns us that we must mix the hearing of his word with believing it. We must mix it with faith. The call today is for us to hear the voice of God, to hear the word of God, and to believe it. Without that, we cannot see what he's seeing. Without that, we cannot enter into his rest. We fall victim to hearing something else other than what God is saying. We fall victim to hearing opinions, sayings. We fall victim to hearing from our circumstances. We fall victim to hearing from our fears, from our insecurities, from voices competing with the voice of God. And whichever voice gets the most attention wins. How are we going to enter God's rest? Hmm. The children of Israel in Numbers 13, you all know the story. I'll just summarize it. They're sent to spy the promised land and when they go and spy the promised land, they come back with so much fruit, men had to carry grapes two by two. They come back and They give a report to Moses and they say to Moses, well, you know what? That land that God promised us, we heard his voice. (laughs) You know, everything that God said is so true of that land. It does flow with milk and honey. uh, But there are giants there. And um, by the way, when we saw the giants, we looked like grasshoppers in the giant's eyes. And um, you know what, the land devours its own people, and uh, I don't think we should go to that land. But it, it has good fruit, it has everything God promised, but we are not going to win. Caleb stops them in Numbers 13, verse 13, and he says, Caleb quietened the people and said, let us go at once and take possession, for we're able to overcome it. What gives this man this spirit? In the midst of hearing all these voices, what would make him stand up and say, quieten down, shut up, excuse me. There's another voice that speaks louder than the voice of fear. There's another voice that speaks louder than the voice of insecurity. There's another voice that speaks louder than the voice of the giants. There's another voice that speaks louder than the voice of the kingdom of darkness. And that is the voice of God. And God said, you'll give us this land. So I'm not interested in the how. I'm interested in what He said, so I'm going to move on that. Joshua joins in, so they, they get, there's a whole fury. They say, no, 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 we're not going to go. you know, No, 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 no. We, we're grasshoppers in the side. Joshua stands up together with Caleb again. They tear their clothes. These men had passion. Numbers 14, 6 to 9, Joshua says this. The land that we spied out really is good. It is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us. The land flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Fear, nor fear the people in the land for they are bred to us. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Caleb, the Bible says, had a different spirit. Joshua and Caleb, were able to speak what God said because they believed it. The Bible says, I believed, therefore I spoke. What you and I believe is evidenced in our speech. You want to know what a man believes? Listen to what he says. These guys believe something different. At the expense of their own lives, they say, no, 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 no. God said something different to this. Quiet them down. Excuse me. This is not what God said. The rest of the camp murmured and complained and could not see. They were moved by what they heard. They were moved by other voices. The, the word that had been planted by God, the journey, the things that he had done with them had been stolen from them. And it ruined their faith. And they could not enter into God's promise. They lacked faith when they heard the word of God. The children of Israel failed to enter into the promised land. Canaan is the promised land that God promised. But in it were giants. Did God make a mistake in promising them a land with giants? Did he make a mistake in saying in the land where there are giants is where my rest is? But we know that the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. So the issue is with me. What is my perspective of rest? Is my perspective of rest sitting on the couch, relaxing with a Kool-Aid, watching the TV? That's not God's perspective of rest. God's perspective of rest is being in a land with giants in it but being in the center of his will. Canaan was not a place of plenty of relaxation. Canaan was a place of God's own strength. God was inviting the children of Israel into his strength. You are saying, come out of your own strength. This is not done by power nor by might, it is done by my spirit. He was inviting them into his world. He was inviting them to the place of victory. It's a place where God's enemies are cast out and kept out. And the vehicle God uses is you and I. What a privilege. On the other side of the walls of opposition that you and I face is God's rest. Tom says this is also the season of the exposure of the things that hinder us and where the overcomer will partake of hidden manna. Now the rest of God is not a place where we rest from work. It's a rest in God's work. It's partnering with God to do what he's calling us to do by his grace and leaving The part that we can't do to him. As Hebrew says, the way we do this is we believe, we're dear to, we trust and rely completely in him and enter his rest. So let's start believing. Let's mix our hearing of God's word with our faith. So when we're faced with a battle, when we come face to face with giants in our place of rest, in our promised land, We are at war. If we cannot hear God's voice at that moment or see his miraculous hand, he is saying to us, listen back. Remember what I've said. Remember the word I've given you. For what I've said, it's now time for manifestation." Most of the time we say, we, we, we get to that point and we get nervous. That, oh, I can't hear God. I'm seeing the chance, But we're not seeing God's hand. Oh my gosh, what's happening? You know, where's where, where the God? Where, uh, uh, that part of the Red Sea, where is he now? He's, uh, he's, he's forsaken us. Jesus even experienced this in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before the cross. He said, oh Father, why have you forsaken me? Then he said, yet not my will be done, but yours. And that was a model of how we had to look at our relationship with God. When we come right to our wall, when we come right to our mountain, when we come face to face with the giant, and God seems silent, and we don't seem to see his hand, we say to us, oh God, what did you say? What did you say? We remember what he said. For at that point, the children of Israel and Caleb and Joshua, the reason their spirit was different was because they remembered, he said, he's bringing us out of Egypt to bring us into the land. So when we get to that point, when it seems silent, in the spirit, what what it actually means is that word is coming to pass now. The word I spoke is coming to pass now. I'd like some people to help me. Would you please come out? You know, Pastor Bonnie has taught us to uh, teach by illustration. So that's what I'm going to do. So I want you to draw a picture with me that these are giants over here. And they're forming a war, and I'll use my own story. As you all know, I got married late. And uh, that was my war. When everyone else was getting married, as uh, you know, Deacon Moulton said, in my cell group, I was the last man standing. <laughs> it was a 20-year journey. I became cell leader, section leader, and I just, seem, I just seem to be seeing people get married around me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pastor Herbert and Pastor Ethel met in our cell. They got married, went off. Pastor George and Pastor Sharon met in our cell. They got married, went off. Peter McHugh and Tara met in our cell. They got married, went off. Shish and Trudy met in our cell. They got married, went off. Max and Ke- Connie met in cell. They got married, went off. What, what's happening to Ted? There was a wall. There was a giant over here. And this thing, some of the voices included my brethren. So you'd come up to the wall, and insecurity would speak. And they'll say, in your family, there is just full of divorces. Then I was needed to learn to say, excuse me, behold, all things have become new. That giant would go. And then this giant, the temptation as the children of is to go back and say, hey, you know, let's just go back to the way we lived. Girlfriend on the side, Bigama Porto. benefits without covenant. So, no, no, stand, stand, stand. You know, and, and this is the voice speaking to me. Oh, and, and, and this and your family and that and that. And you know, it'll, you, you, this thing will end up in divorce. But God said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Says this giant, start speaking to the insecurity, start speaking to the man, start speaking to the flesh in me. Well, look around you. There's nobody in the church anyway. There are no girls in the church anyway. You need to go out the country anyway. He says, no, I don't have the mind of the world. I have the mind of Christ. He needed to speak to that. Then humanism came and started speaking. The flesh and everything that tempts me in that way. And then you need to look at this giant and say, I'm not of this world, I'm of another world. Then this giant, you speak something else, and it moves. And that one moves. And that one, oh, this one is a giant of compromise. This one is the one that says, ah, just take this now. Take this one now. It looks like the thing that God promised, but it's not actually the thing. It's a strategy and the work of man. It's an Ishmael when there's an Isaac. It says, you know what? There's some benefits. But now, I'm never going to win with this giant, with my back to the giant, looking back at Egypt, where I've come from. I've got to turn and face and say, God, what have you spoken? What has your word said? When, when these offers came along, I sought counsel. I pastor, what do you say? What, what is that? This is what I see. Man of God said, this is what I'm seeing in your wife. Really? This, is what I, this picture doesn't really look like By what, what the man of God saying this? No, no, no. No, no. This doesn't seem to... And the word, I couldn't hear in that place. But you had to go back to the prophecy that was spoken. In the heat of worship, in a corporate environment like this, in a cell group, when you're encouraging each other with a brother, when God's word supernaturally came through someone else or it came from the pulpit, I had to go back into the prophetic books and say, "Uh, this is what the prophecy says. But this is what's before me. Paul says to, 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 to um, Timothy, it says, Woe according to prophecy, so that you may know how to fight the good fight of faith. So I'm not hearing you, Lord, but I do have prophecy. I do have what your word has said. I do have a reminder of what you've said, Lord. Hmm. This looks like compromise. Because what's been heard is not what's here. It looks like it is packaged good, it's got the goods, but it's not it. Why? My hearing is mixed with my faith. I believe the word that was, that is, and that will be spoken. Because the word, who I hear my word from, is Lord over me. So if it's television, that's telling me how the wife should be. Television is the Lord. If she say, if television say she should be like this and the husband should be like that, mm, mm, so be it. But there there was a sure word of prophecy based on the word of God. So guess what? Now we can turn to this giant and say, oh, I no longer conform to the pattern of this world. But my mind has been renewed so that I'm able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, there is the perfect will of God, there is the perfect will of God. You see, behind the wall of opposition, behind the giants of the test, behind the test was the testimony, was the testimony. And this, this, this cannot be taken away. The testimony cannot be taken away because this is what God has brought me through. But before we got to the testimony, we had a wall of opposition. We had a test that we needed to face. We had words that we needed to speak. We had something we needed to overcome. So the more we stood, you know what, the level of giants you face determined the value behind the wall. Because with the removal of each giant, the picture got clearer. I began to see. And when it came, it was beautiful. It was a package. Buy one, get four free. That was the package, baby. So who are you listening to? When you come up against the Giants, are you going to listen to their circumstances? Are you going to listen to what the Giants are saying? Are you going to listen to opinions? Because you know what? If you do, they'll only lead you to murmur and complain. And evidence that something is outside of the will of God is when there's too much complaining too much memory too much confusion being caused don't listen to that voice listen to the voice of God and if you cannot hear the voice of God go back and open the prophetic books Daniel said man we're in Babylon we're stuck over here we don't know what this looks like we're in captivity but the Bible says Daniel understood what to do when he opened up the books And he saw that this ends in 70 days, 70 years. Then he could go back and pray and say, oh, God, hear us. Forgive us of our iniquity. But you have said, it's 70 years. It's time. It's time. I will hear your voice, and I'll hear your voice only. You see, I want to quickly give you a picture of the faithfulness of God. What was so different about Joshua and Caleb? Joshua, the Bible said, long after Moses got off the mountain, stayed in God's presence. So while others were... Chatting, hey, this is a nice piece of lamb. Nah, 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 nah. And you know, did you watch last last week's series? Did you watch and what did you I see? What happened there? Oh, did you see? Ooh. did you did you watch Dallas? So and so is falling out Dallas season, three season, four season, five. What wow, wow. he was in the presence. He was finding every opportunity to be where God was at. What was different about Caleb? Caleb represented you and I. His lineage was Gentile. His lineage was Gentile. Do you know that? He was of the Canaanites. That's who his father was. He wasn't even Jew. But he adopted himself. He connected himself to God's people. He connected himself to God's promise. To such a point that he became a leader in the tribe of Judah. The tribe of praise. The tribe that honored God, he got so good, he represented you as a shadow of the Gentiles coming in as adopted sons into the promise, you and I. The Bible says these two men were the only ones that God said would see the promise. Those that stayed in his presence and those that connect themselves, those that hold on to the word, those that say, this is mine, I'm holding on to it, I'm keeping it, no matter, with perseverance, this is the I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it. And when something else speaks, I say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I'm speaking. So I want to give you a quick rundown. Thank you to my family. You know, the good news is the war has gone. This week we're celebrating an engagement in the family. But five years ago there was a war. Ten years ago there was a war. Fifteen, there was a war. Twenty years ago there was a war. And the war was not evidence of how much God is resisting me it was evidence of how much God loves me and evidence that God has put something in me to overcome what was before me. So this, remember this. We are to war according to prophecy. You are not to war according to opinion, circumstances, insecurities, fears, the fear of man. You are to war according to prophecy. That's what the Bible says. War stands for, W stands for wisdom. Wisdom. A for and, revelation. Wisdom and revelation. That's what we're going to need to war. Wisdom comes from the Word of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the beginning began in the Word. Wisdom comes from the Word. Revelation, as Pastor Bonnie taught us, he says, revelation gives you permission to enter. Oh, I love that. When you have revelation from the Word of God, when you have revelation from on high, when you have revelation after you've heard, you have permission to enter into his rest. Point number two. Remember how far he has brought you. Forget going back. The children of Israel had that and vice versa. They began to remember and create a false picture of how good Egypt was. They began to say their bondage was good. Can you believe it? They began to say their bondage, that which God delivered them from, was good. And they would rather go back into bondage than move forward because they faced the giant. And they decided to go back. So what they needed to do was what Joshua and Caleb did. They remembered that this is the God of covenant, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this promise was promised to Abraham. Now he came and delivered us out of Egypt, and said he was taking us into the promised land. They remembered he parted the Red Sea. They remembered he brought water out of the rock. They remembered that he brought manna from heaven. He brought quail from heaven. They remembered his faithfulness, and they said to themselves, "Surely you will bring us into this land, for they have become bread with our Bread. They have become bread to us. Why? Because greater is he that is with us than he that's with them." They have not experienced what we have experienced. They don't have a remembrance like we have a remembrance. They don't have a covenant like we have a covenant. They are uncircumcised. And I'm part of a circumcision covenant. When they remembered that, they forgot Egypt. And the promised land looked sweet. He said, Give us, you'll give us that land. So remember how far God has brought you to that point. Forget going back. Three, speak to the mountain, not about the mountain. Four, execute judgment and enter into his rest. You see, the word we're walking on this year Last year, Pastor Tom gave us the first part. It was, let the high praises of God be in our mouth and the two-edged sword in our hand. Why? So that we may execute vengeance on the nations. So that we may bring punishments on the people. Bind the kings with chains, nobles, and fetters with iron, to execute on them the written judgment of God for His glory. So guess What? The word you and I received is a written notice of execution for the kingdom of darkness. You and I are like the deputy sheriff. We come with a written notice saying we've come to possess everything inside. The higher the walls, the greater the value of what's inside. Does the deputy sheriff care? No. Because his sheriff has given him authority to break down those walls. If the deputy sheriff ever came back and said, I'm sorry, the wall was too high, too big, too small, too what," the sheriff said, excuse me? Excuse me? Excuse me? Throw this deputy sheriff in jail. He cannot perform a written order. And that's the same thing. There's written notice for the kingdom of darkness in your life. There's written notice for the kingdom of darkness in your family. There's written notice for the kingdom of darkness in your business. There's written notice for the kingdom of darkness in your church, in your community, in your nation. God fully expects you and I to execute that notice. Because that notice is not just about you. That notice is about bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That notice is about driving the kingdom of darkness back. That notice is about possessing the land. And you know what? We actually need each other. Because just like my picture, six destinies were attached to the walls I faced. I need you to face your giants. Because there are destinies attached. To you possessing that land. I need you to focus and believe God that you can overcome that which you are facing today. Because in it is my breakthrough as well. In it is your sister's breakthrough next to you. In it is somebody's breakthrough outside of you. I like what Pastor Bonnie says, it's not about you, it is up to you. It's up to me to make a decision. To let but God be God and every man alive. So today, I'm asking, are there people that are willing to make that decision? Are there people that are willing to say, God, you know what? I'll be of a different spirit. I, I don't know how it will happen. My business is not to know how it will... My, my business is to know that the written execution is out. And if I'm facing this wall today, it means the kingdom of God is here. The time for the word that has been spoken is here. It's now manifesting. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.